X, you don't need to do anything for safety. You, you nail it the first time. I try to tell them. I'm like, listen, on. we're I mean, good. You like, don't need this extra recording. Exactly. We can save 15 minutes. I tell you what, I'll talk to the team. This extra can you let them know, Rob? Can you let them know? There's no safety needed here. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Human Element, Kara's podcast on modern marketing. I am super excited to have Xavier Jernigan, head of cultural partnerships at Spotify. Xavier, you're going to let me call you X. Is that the way this goes? That's the way this goes. Everybody uh, calls me X. So I, I love I it. would have it no other way, sir. <laughs> I love it. You know, you are also a podcast host yourself, uh, yes. much more fame than me for sure <laughs> called the window i got that right right that is correct we're gonna get into that in a little yeah. bit before we do this because I, I love when folks come on the show and they sort of share a bit about their role i'd love for you to tell us just a little bit about your role and then i have a couple late edition questions on your role i'm gonna ask so that's like to get you excited there's some unknown questions here x that i'm gonna get to are you, are you excited about that man i'll take it wherever you want to take it <laughs> I'm just, I'm just rolling, man. I'm Go for easy, it. Breezy. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about head of cultural partnerships at Spotify. Oh, that's easy. So the easiest thing to tell you, the first thing to tell you rather is I made it all up. <laughs> True story. I wrote my job description. I created the team. I came into Spotify not four years ago. Now I came into Spotify as the head of North America for editorial. So I oversaw all the playlisting for us and Canada. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's by genre, that's by mood, that's by moment. So when we're talking about, you know, by genre, that's self-explanatory. I don't have to tell you what that means. But by mood and moment is, mood is, how are you feeling? Like, yep. did you just get dumped? Or are you feeling good? <laughs> feeling good today? And moment is, what's going on right now in the moment? So the music that gets you hyped for your playlist yep. or music for your commute. So I was overseeing all of that. I had an open head count. And something that's really rare when you get to a company and you have an open head count and they say, do with it, whatever you want to do. Yep. And you tell me that I'm going to come up with something. <laughs> so after talking to the team coming in from the outside with a fresh set of eyes, which is, you know, one of the benefits you have when you come in from the outside. And for me, I worked with Spotify from the outside. I came from the record label side Yep. and I was head of digital commerce at Def Jam. So I brought the artists through Spotify and the apples and the sound clouds and all the other ones. So I was used to working with Spotify and, and Spotify was my dream company and it was my preferred streaming platform anyway when it came to music. So I already had some ideas coming in from the outside. So one of my ideas was let's curate around culture in a way that's strategic and we need to build a team to do that because those same editors that I mentioned before curating around primarily genre and then mood and moment they didn't have the time to think cross-functionally or tap in to our sales team and our sales partners or our premium marketing team or just across the company. I wanted us to leverage the power of Spotify and talk to partners directly like the Netflixes of the world and the HBOs and let's forge partnerships at that level so we're not playing catch-up. We don't want to chase moments. We don't want to be reactive. Now, some things happen in culture where it's just one of those things that happen in an instant and we got to move and we're fluid like that. That's the beauty of our platform. But I wanted us to like see movies early, read scripts, decide where we can partner in a way that makes sense to extend the narrative of, of those properties 
where it makes sense in a way where we're storytelling. We storytell through podcasts and we storytell through playlisting. And when people want to interact with a particular show, for example, like that has just really dope music and you want to experience that show beyond watching it, you can come experience that on Spotify. So everybody wins in that way. So we formed a role. I created a role, wrote the job description with the help of my team at the time called Cultural Curator. And it turns out that that job I don't know if this still stands, but I think it does, was the most applied for job in the history of Spotify. I just remember it got to 5,000 and it started crashing and we just had to pull it down. And we got it. It was really proof of concept. Once we got that role in-house, that person came in, did a wonderful job. And those were the parts of my job, separate from the hosting thing that we're going to talk about down the line. But that was the part of my job I was most excited about. So I, what I eventually did was pitch the formation of a whole new team, cultural partnerships, where we do that full time, where we really decide how we're going to do it strategically as a whole department. And then I became head of cultural partnerships and I had to write my job description. And that's how we do it. And that's what happened. That's a great story. I love that. There's a lot in there for people to sort of aspire to, myself included, I can tell you that. I don't know. I might try to write a job description for myself tomorrow. You should try. See if I can improve things. I'm going to tell you, it's one of the hardest things I had to do. <laughs> I believe when You're sitting there I with a blank that. doc and you just got to write what your job is going to be and they're going to hold you accountable to that. Yeah. Start thinking twice about what you start typing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, just the blinking cursor for me sends me into fits of anxiety. Me and so you both, that, brother. That alone is problematic. So I was looking through kind of your LinkedIn and there were a couple of things in there that struck me. This is a run of, of recognition and roles one can only dream of. I, I get it. Just uh, uh, indulge me here a second. Hopefully I got this right. Start off at P&G, kind of in the research group is what it kind of looked like. Yeah, right? I did, I did consumer marketing research. Yeah, then went from there and wound up becoming employee of the month at a place called Bad Boy Records with some guy named Diddy. Never yeah. heard of him, obviously. Yeah, this is true was then the valedictorian at NYU for your master's in music management, just, you know, as a sort of offline yeah. deal, right? My second master's, Yeah, I no, might course. add. As you would, right? <laughs> and then named Young Man of the Year by the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Yep. That is a run, my friend, that only a few people can dream of. That is <laughs> remarkable. You know, it's been, it's been a nice journey so far. I can honestly, honestly say that. Especially when you, like, when you have something that they've made and it says young man on it. I can just hold on to that for a really long time. And just <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that you were later named uh, like father figure by that same organization. So yeah, uh, you so moved on from young man. Now you, it father sounds like figure. you have a, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> might, you might've moved on. Time waits for no man X. Time That's right, man. Not even young men, but it, it really feels good. And I'm always honored when, somebody wants to recognize me in some form or fashion. For me, it's just really about making a difference, impacting lives. I'm ultimately a servant. I have a servant's heart. So that's how I approach everything. I approach my work at Spotify in that way. And I approach just how I live my life in that way. I love that. So let me ask you, what have the past several months been like for you and the team at Spotify? I mean, it, yeah. it's obviously been a remarkable time, both in the history of the world and, and more specifically in the history of the country. What have they been like for you and the team there? Now, we're, are we starting at Black Lives Matter or are we starting at quarantine? No, I'm going the whole way back to the beginning. Let's start in March, you know, sort of wave one, and then we'll go to wave two. Okay, perfect. I think 
that's what I was getting at. I, yep. I think it's perfect to establish the full context. So for us, what I appreciated about our company, Spotify, is that one for me, I worked from home a lot. I traveled a lot. I flew well over 100,000 miles last year, last calendar year. So always gone forging these partnerships or, or hosting something either, you know, in person or, you know, just making things happen, you know, is what we do, Bob, as you know. But when it went to quarantine, I appreciated the fact that our company early on just decided to shut it down, that we're all going to work from home and that we're going to lean into being safe, like safe rather than sorry. Like we knew it was uncharted territories. It was an unprecedented time. And we just decided to lean into that. Yep. So for me, in terms of my actual work, it went to another level in a way that I didn't expect. The hosting part of my job, we didn't get detailed into this, but is I'm officially in-house talent. So yep. I don't just host this podcast. It's actually my job to host podcasts and do voiceovers and, and host yep. all hands and conferences and things like that. X, I can't imagine why they picked you for voiceovers. I just want to, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I can't figure that out. It's, it's unclear. You know, you know what's crazy, Rob, is I read an article last year. Most people hate the sound of their voice when they hear it recorded. Yeah. Yep. And I did too. <laughs> but I got used to it. I love it now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's something you can get over, X. I, feel I, like I did get over that. It's not a problem for me now. I, I like it. So... For me, everything went next level. And, and it was really humbling because, you know, in troubling times, organizations, companies, families, groups, they look to people for stability, for routine, for leadership. And I really feel like the company rallied behind me in a lot of ways to just really push me out front to just provide that stability and provide that leadership. So a lot of our things shifted virtually. So mm -hmm. events and things that we would have done physically, we turned those things into virtual events. Like our sales team hosts a really cool event that's really highlighted at CES and it's mm -hmm. called Spotify Supper. They changed that to Spotify Supper at home and asked me to come in and host it where we have, I'm cooking a meal with a top chef. And we're just talking about how audio is a part of that process. But it's a real natural conversation. And I'm just having fun. And people get literally invited into my home because it's quarantine time. And I host our weekly happy hours that our music team has. And we have really cool special guests that pop in. And I interview them for our entire music team. But I do that. You're going to see a theme here. I do that while I'm cooking brunch because I eat brunch and breakfast every single day. I cook it every single day. And I'm glad with the quarantine, with the quarantine, I get to do that every day and don't have to run yep. out the door. So that's something I get to do. And then we created this podcast, The Window. And The Window was created by Gimlet. It was created before I was a part of it. And it had different iterations as they went through the creative process. But it was always going to be intimate snapshots, you know, and it started out as intimate snapshots around artists and their creative process. But then when the quarantine hit, that team really thought about it being about intimate snapshots of life during the quarantine. And yep. they thought that I would be the perfect person to voice it and then to really bring my story and my point of view into it. Anything I host, I have to bring my personality to it, the fullness of who I am into it, but it being really intimate and quiet and introspective, you know, it's a window into people's lives. And it's also what I'm seeing out my window during these times 
the fact that I got to tell that story and really be thoughtful about that, it really took me to another place emotionally Mm -hmm. and as a creator and a creative during this time. I mean, like, I just really had to examine and think about a lot of things. So for me, everything went into hyperdrive. Even though I was busy as ever, I realized there's other levels to this and another gear that I had to go to and tap into. So, you know, I'm recording every day in some form or fashion. Right now, I have 20 different hosting projects inside of Spotify. That's amazing. It's pretty busy, but it's cool. It's really cool. So let's talk about the launch of the window because, you know, much like your experience, it sounds like from in side the company, mm-hmm. the creative process has changed since launch, right? Yeah. So sort of focused initially around a window into people's experiences of the pandemic. Yeah. And then that's changed in the past couple of weeks to take a look at these questions of equity, inequality, and race. Talk a little bit about that process whereby that change occurred yeah. and how you guys made the decisions to do that. Yeah. So the way we do the show, we do it very much in real time. Like we get the interviews from you know, the participants for that particular week. And sometimes the producers may need them to go in and record a little bit more or or expound on this point. And they literally record this by themselves in their homes, as you will hear on the podcast, but that's really how it happens. We'll send them the questions, they'll record it. And from that, we'll decide what my narration is going to be. We go into tracking and script writing. And for people who don't know, like, I don't want me and Rob to go down the rabbit hole too far off, like these terms that we use, but Tracking when you're doing narration is the first pass at it. You go and you sit with the script and you come off script. And for me, sounding natural, sounding how I sound is really important. So we workshop it in real time. Sometimes I have a call before with the writers, editors to talk about what we're going to talk about. And then they'll come up with a, a version of the script and then I'll go in and tweak it and then we'll we'll record it. And then that's the first pass. And then usually they edit an episode together all you listeners. So this is your way. If you wanted a podcast, here's the, here's the quick one-on-one on how to do it. (laughs) And then we'll go back in after we hear it. And then we'll do what's called pickups. And we'll say, okay, that part needs to be better or it could be stronger or it could be shorter, or that's not that clear. And we'll record, re-record or rewrite something and then record it. And then it'll be another edit of the podcast. And that's usually the final version of what you hear. So we're doing this, we're doing this throughout the season it's pretty real time. Like those people recorded those interviews a day or two before. And it's the week that George Floyd died. And quite frankly, a lot of us in the black community, and you guys can't see me, but if you didn't know, I'm black. Hey, y'all. So surprise, I'm black. So (laughs) a lot of us in the black community and beyond, not just the black community, but I'm speaking as, as a black man, we were just very frustrated. You know, it wasn't just that. It was Ahmaud Arbery a couple of weeks before, and that story was coming to light, and it was Breonna Taylor. And this is another one that was important in terms of how I personally experienced the news of George Floyd. The stuff about Amy Cooper, and Amy Cooper was a white woman in Central Park who falsely accused a black man. He, he video recorded all of it, calling the police on him because he spoke to her about putting her dog on the leash or witten disturbed the wildlife. He's a, he's an avid bird watcher. So that was a whole story. And I was shocked about that. And then as I'm watching that, the news of George Floyd broke. I see right after I'm watching the story about Amy Cooper, I see what 
tends to happen to people that look like me when the police show up. So Amy Cooper attempted for that to happen. The police actually show up to George Floyd for what may or may not have been a counterfeit $20 bill. And then he dies. And then that week, I was just feeling it that whole week. And, you know, we, we were having conversations internally about change and, and what we could do and what we should do. And we formed a, a task force, a Black Lives Matter task force across the company that, that I co-lead. And that's about 300 allies, 300 people working together just to make change. We're starting at home in Spotify, but what we also can do outside the company. But that Saturday, Rob, I woke up and I had an idea. Let's pivot the window because the next Wednesday was going to be the, be the season finale. We were wrapping up season one, coming oh, back with really? another so you're season. You were almost done. We were done. We actually yeah. tracked. See, now you guys know what track means. We had <laughs> tracked that episode already. All we were going to do was pickups that next Monday. And then that was going to be the final episode of season one of The Window. Yep. That Saturday morning, I woke up with the idea of why don't we pivot this to stories of the realities of being Black in America? Because going back to that storytelling element, there's power in sharing our stories. And I wanted to use the window to talk about some of the realities that I face when I step outside of Spotify, when I stepped outside of Procter & Gamble, when I stepped outside of these companies and, and all they see is a Black man. Yeah. You know, so I wanted to talk about how many times I had been pulled over by the police. I wanted to just talk about it. Yeah. No, I remember that from that episode. Yeah. What's your answer? How many times? By the time I was 22, I had been pulled over by the police 20 times. Yeah. And then I stopped counting. It didn't yeah. end there. That's just when I lost count, lost track. Yeah. And never once got a ticket for it. Never. But I had guns poured out on me and my loved ones just for being Black driving while black. And it's happened across multiple states, not just in my home state of Florida. It's happened here in New York. It's happened in rural Alabama. It's happened in LA. It's happened all across this country. And that's just me. I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about stories of other people. I'm talking about exactly what has happened to me. I spent a night in Brooklyn Central Booking right here in Brooklyn for yeah. no reason. Yeah. So these are some of the realities that we face outside. And I just thought it was time for me not to hold those stories back because I didn't tell those stories to a lot of my own friends or yeah. family. My mom didn't even know that I spent the night in Brooklyn Central Booking. And I literally got snatched off the street and nobody knew where I was for 24 hours. Yeah. So I wanted to use the power of that platform of the window to talk about it and to expose these stories and we had very, very high-level conversations that Saturday morning, not focused on the window, but just about our response to this moment and how we can leverage the power of our platform for change and then better ourselves as a company and figure out what we could do better because we all have room for improvement. So it wasn't a thing of like, we felt like we had that figured out by no means. So this was a part of a bigger conversation, but let's also use the window to do this. And, and they were all for it, like all the powers that be, the producers and all the key people. And by that next Friday, we had episode one of, you know, what became season two, so to speak, out the door. So in six days, the episode was live and out. And then the next week we had Tamika D, Mallory, social justice 
hero really is what I call her, Trey the Truth, who's a Houston rapper who was friends with George Floyd. And George Floyd used to actually rap with him. And, mm. you know, that's his hometown. And he he's a social activist as well. And, and he co-organized a march in Houston that was very peaceful. So we had him speak on, on the podcast as well. The very next week, we talked about Black fatherhood. It was Juneteenth. It was leading into Father's Day. So we had a, a Black father talking to his Black son about the police, yeah. which, which really is about innocence lost. Because a lot of Black men, most of us, and Black women too, I'm not leaving the sisters out, but there's this place where innocence is lost for us. So he talks about that. But you actually hear his son, who's seven or eight years old, and you just hear this sweetness in his voice where he has to talk to him about racism. And that plays out on the podcast. And then the next week, which we ended up using as the season finale for real this time, we talked about the healing power of Black theater. And we talked to a theater owner and operator. And I'm talking about like performance theater, performance yes. art in St. Paul, Minneapolis area. So that was powerful. So the fact that we were able to pivot so quickly is something that's really special about yeah. Spotify and telling these stories in, in very much real time. So every week we just had something and the listenership reflected that and people were really feeling it. We got a lot of really amazing emails about how one people, if you're not black, you got to actually get a window into what a lot of us experience. But also for those who are black, to finally hear their stories told because a lot of us don't even want to talk about it. We just, we're yeah. just trying to live and deal. A couple things. One, those episodes are as wonderful as you just described them. So I encourage people to go listen to them. They're, they're really, really good. Thank you, Rob. That means a lot. In that first episode, when you make the pivot, yeah, you say something which was, it was like a hammer to my head. <laughs> like it, yeah. you said, you know, you describe quarantine, but then you say it was the safest that you've ever consistently felt in your entire life. Yeah. Because you didn't have to go outside. Yeah. I had that realization that week that we pivoted, the week of George Floyd. And it was, if, if you guys remember, that Monday was Memorial Day here yep. in the States, which is a public holiday for pretty much everybody. That news I saw unfold on Tuesday that Wednesday is when I had that revelation. And I yeah. said it, my mom, brother, sister-in-law, we're all in a text group. Mm. And I remember just standing in my living room and I felt, I actually felt safe. Like I didn't feel safe like going outside. I felt safe inside. And, I, yeah. and then I just thought about it. And I was like, this is the safest I felt in my adult life. You know, before that innocence period yeah. ends. And I just needed to talk about it. And I just needed to put that in the podcast. And I mentioned earlier, like, whenever I track, whenever I do narration and record that, I want to sound like me. And I go to that place. It's mm -hmm. not acting like I actually tap into that place. And if you listen closely, you will actually hear my voice crack. Yeah. Because I, I teared up. And even when we did it a couple of times, you know, as you know, we do things, we call it doing it for safety. So you're doing it another time. But every time the tears welled up in my eyes because I was back in that place yeah. where I finally acknowledged it to myself and even let my guard down internally so I could actually feel that. And yeah. I'm thankful because it freed me. It freed me to get that story out there. Uh, it was empowering 
because I don't have to hide behind the secrecy of what happens sometimes, mm. you know, all too often, yeah. unfortunately. And yeah. I'm glad, I'm very, very thankful that I had this medium that I host, that the company entrusts me to host, to tell these stories where they want to hear from me and where they want me to be me. And I just love that hosting is an official part of my job. I never thought that when I came to the company four years ago. I mean, we weren't even in podcasting like that, you know, in 2016. So I'm thankful. I know you know this, but you weren't alone with the tears on that. It is a striking moment. It is an absolutely striking moment. And as an aside, you know, what you and your team know so well is how completely intimate audio is. Yeah. And that for me was just an incredibly intimate breakthrough and frankly heartbreaking moment. All right, we are going to pivot. One of the things is sort of as you're telling this story and and sort of the iteration and you know we touched on your background. Yeah. What just keeps bouncing around in my head is you've got deep understanding of brands and how they think and the role that they play in society currently. Yeah. And you've got this deep personal experience in your own race and how that has impacted mm-hmm. your life and even just how that for you, not just, you know, people like me who to some extent woke up six weeks ago, unfortunately, but for you, it has changed dramatically in the past six weeks. For sure. If you were standing in front of a room full of brands, 250 CMOs at your disposal, yeah. right? In a world where we could actually, I don't know, get together. <laughs> what would you tell them? What would you say to them? Listen to what your consumers have been telling you. (laughs) Listen to what they've been telling you. Like there are some brands that are changing their brand images now. It's not the first time they heard these complaints. They've been hearing these complaints for years. Listen to what people have been telling you and do something about it. Be on the right side of history because it's the right thing. And your brand will probably do better If you listen to the people, people actually, by and large, I believe, want to do the right thing. But sometimes, you know, brands just have to be moved because I know changing packaging archetypes isn't a cheap thing or isn't an easy undertaking. But do what you need to do. Be honest about addressing the history of your brands. Now, if you don't have a troubled history, that's awesome. But Use the power of your brand to impact other change. To some extent, don't we all have a troubled history? I 100% agree. And that leads me, and I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for saying that, because we all do. And even if the brand image in and of itself may not have that varnish on it, your company probably does in some form or fashion in policies or who are in these boardrooms and who are decision makers and unconscious bias and conscious bias, all of these things, the things you can change and you can work on, be honest with yourself and make the changes that you need to make. We know it's not going to all be undone. We're not trying to say this is a six week sprint, but what we're saying is put the policies in place. Hire the people that you need to hire. Make the changes you need to make. Start at home and then extend outward. But if there's change you can enact because of the power of your brand that's been built on the backs of consumers, then do that. The Washington Redskins only changed their name 
because two of their biggest sponsors said they're going to pull their money out if you don't change the name because we're no longer going to be associated with that racist name. Yeah, they said this $100 million we're paying you to have our sign on the building, it's gone. It's gone. So what are you guys going to do? And that's not the first time the Washington Redskins heard those complaints. It's been going on, and the owner of the organization said, I will never, and quote me, in caps, right never, We'll never change the name. Ha! When Brand spoke up, that whole story changed. Yeah. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going there next. Let's talk about the Redskins change because there's sort of, you know, the reality of they were completely on the record, in caps, to your point, never, 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 never going to do it. Yeah. Until such time as now they're going to do it. Right. So that's the first thing is that mm-hmm. none of this is written in stone, even those things we promise ourselves are written in that's stone. That's so true. The second thing is just as a marketer, mm-hmm. right? Forget for the moment the issues around the name and, and how long it took them to do yeah. that and how frankly wrong they were mm-hmm. for the longest time. My focus is sort of on, because you know, I'm a CMO, so this is what I do. What needs to change? How fast need to change it? You know, mm-hmm. how on earth are you going to do this? The licensing, like there, it is a massive undertaking, yeah. right? And these are long, emotional, you know, yes. his ID, branding, naming. These are, the, it's the worst. Carol that's out there forever. The like I, I'm a marketer. I love marketing. It is my chosen craft. The stuff I hate doing the most is viz ID, Man, naming, branding, all that stuff. It's a nightmare. tough. How are they going to come up with the name? I mean, they need this thing tomorrow afternoon. I'm like, literally like, how are you going to do it? Rob, I got them covered. All they got to do is listen to this podcast and they're good. (laughs) I didn't come up with this. So I'm not taking credit for coming up with this. I'm just leveraging... I'm just it leveraging is. the listenership of this podcast to get this moment. And Dan Snyder, huge listener X, by the way. We get mail from him all the Shout time. Shout out, Dan as Snyder. you might expect. Okay, yeah. Dan Snyder, here you go. The Washington Red Tails. Red Tails. Red Tails, who... It's a hawk, right? Yes, which refers to the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, oh well, this is a layup. You, you, keep, you keep the red in there, but now yeah. you get to something that elevates a community that typically has not been elevated in a way that honors these historic men that fought for this country. X, you actually do have the answer. That's it. Spread the word, guys. We're doing a weekly podcast, you and I. It's just going to be answers with X. Dude, I'm with it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you one my friend is behind. Yeah. Shout out. Brian's going to listen to this. He's a marketer, too. I'm not behind this one. He made a logo and everything. He's all about the Washington Carvers, like Washington Carver. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Peanut. Nah, bro, it's not going to work. And I was like, they can hire Mr. Peanut, and then I can put that on. No, nah, it's not going to work. Red Tails. <laughs> Red Tails. Red Tails. I love it. Yeah, that's infinitely better than the suggestion I made to the six idiot friends of mine I have on my little Oh, I got to hear it. Please, I got to hear this. I went the traditional route, as you might expect. You know, something connected to the city itself. Yeah. There was a franchise there twice and the baseball league that was called the Washington Senators. That's right. The last iteration of the Washington Senators moved to Texas. They're now the Texas Rangers. Mm. Pick up the phone, call whoever owns the Rangers at this point. I don't think it's Tom Hicks anymore. I don't know who owns them. Yeah. And be like, look, I'll buy the URL. I'll buy the licensing. I'll buy the Because it's just such a, a and it natural brings back the historic element. And it brings back a sense of That's history. Smart. Even though it's a different sport, brings back a sense of history. So, again typically overly practical from my suggestion, but I like yours more. Okay, so we covered a lot of ground in that one. I'm glad. This naturally to me, we talked about the Redskins question 
this naturally leads to a discussion for me of boycotts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously they've become a humongous thing in the past five or six weeks. I personally have written, I don't know, 11 different versions of a POV on the Facebook boycott for yeah. our clients. This is only going to continue, meaning mm-hmm. the, the spirit of this boycott movement. Yeah. Taking out your magic eight ball, crystal ball, whatever you have there in front of you, what do you think those become? And what do these sort of the mushrooming level of that, of those movements look like? Maybe the next level is companies decide we're not spending money with this company indefinitely. Mm. I think that's the next level. I think whenever boycotts have happened, they're with the hopes or in hopes of changing the people who lead that company, changing policies, changing their minds. So I think the next wave of it is if minds don't change and therefore policies and practices don't change, I think you're going to have companies just flat out decide not to spend with certain organizations. And I think they're just going to say, you know, essentially no one likes to use this term, but like blacklist, like I think, I think some are going to be blacklisted. I think companies are really just starting to stand up and say, if we don't like the way you do business, I mean, essentially like morality clauses. Yep. We don't like the way that you do business. We're going to step away from including you in the way that we do business because what it ends up becoming sometimes is guilty by association. And then some places don't even want to risk that, but they want to be on the side of right. And I think that's how people are thinking about these times now. What's the role and responsibility of an organization and a brand like Spotify, you know, that is home to so many artists and creators? Mm -hmm. How do you guys think about what that role that you should play as a brand is? Well, we do believe in free speech and people have the freedom of expression. We don't believe in hate speech. So we, we have a whole team that does content moderation. They have whole plans in place of how to review things. And when things skew on the side of hate speech, we don't stand for that at all. That has to come off the platform. But generally speaking, one that supports creators and we're connecting listeners to creators and therefore those listeners convert into fans. We're, we're trying to facilitate that relationship. That's what we're really about in a sense. Like we exist to make those connections happen and bring joy to people's lives by serving them up things that they listen to and things that they're going to discover through our algorithms and through what we suggest through our human editorial. But when it comes to hate speech, we're just not going to stand for it, period. Yeah. Your past life, you know, working in the music industry more directly for yeah. labels. And- yeah. What do you hear from your friends in, in kind of those industries right now about this moment in time and, and, what are they looking to do? And two, you know, if you look back to sort of great moments of explosiveness in art, let's take the 60s and, and sort mm-hmm. of protest music that came out of the late 60s. Do you anticipate a greater sense of consciousness coming out of new music uh, and new art as a result of, of sort of these turbulent moments? Yeah, so two parts of that. I'm going to answer the second part first. We are seeing music like new music come, which is great from established artists and and new artists. Like it was this kid, Keydron Bryant, who did this song, I Just Want to Live, and and President Barack Obama featured it on his Instagram. And Mm -hmm. he ended up getting signed by Warner Music Group, like Warner Records. Like that got him a deal out of it. So he was just creating from 
what he felt. But then you have artists like her who puts out a song, I Can't Breathe. And you got Lil Baby puts out a new song. So you have these different voices popping up, new and established artists coming out, speaking to this moment in their own way, which is always powerful to me. And always, I love that we have the power of our platform to elevate those voices through our different playlists. And, you know, our Black Lives Matter playlist, for example, was created in 2015. It had about 40,000 followers before about six, seven weeks ago. And on Blackout Tuesday, it jumped about a thousand percent, about three X in a day, I think it was. But now we're at 900,000 followers. So what that tells us and the beauty of Spotify is that we listen to what our users are telling us. Like I mentioned that before when we're talking to the CMOs, listen to what your consumers are already telling you. We see what our users want, our listeners want. We see it through the data. Like data, those are real people. Those are their real listening habits. And we see what's happening through playlists like Black Lives Matter. People are responding to that. So going to the part about me working at record labels and what people are saying on that side, it's actually less about the artists and more about the inequity and inequalities and injustices that are happening towards Black people at those institutions, at those labels, at those companies. For example, I'm going to tell you mine since, you know, I told you I I feel freed up. I feel empowered in these days to tell my story. So this is a story I don't know if, I don't think I've ever told this on a podcast. So Rob, consider yourself with the exclusive, sir. (laughs) So... (laughs) As my very small audience knows, nothing makes me more excited than when we break news. When we break news in this pod, because we're hard hitting. Hard hitting. We break news in this pod, it's unbelievable. Hard edge, hard hitting. So here you go. So just a window into sometimes what people that look like me, no matter how good you are, face. I came into a record label in 2006 as a manager. Did a great job. I was promoted to director that following January. The January after that, I was promoted to senior director. I held the same title of senior director until 2016 when I came to Spotify. But I was always told how great I was. And I had numbers backing my success and the success of the labels that I worked for. And I stayed at the same title for the next eight years. Let me take you in a little more detail. The last company that I worked for before Spotify I replaced somebody, somebody got laid off and I came in to kind of be the fresh blood. That guy was a white man. He was a senior vice president. I replaced him. I came in as senior director, two levels below at less than half of what he made with less resources, but I was tasked to do more. I was asked to change the way that job was done, not just at that company, but across the industry. And I did that in two years. They were talking about promoting me. And at the same time, they didn't know that Spotify was recruiting me. Yep. Talking about promoting me. They came with the contract. They offered me $10,000 more. I didn't have a pay increase in two years. They offered me $10,000 more and no title change. That's what it's like at a lot of record labels. And a lot of people have similar experiences. So the talks right now are about what's really happening to black executives or people who are doing really well, putting out this music, representing these artists, making these artists feel comfortable, speaking to the culture, driving the culture at large, but you don't get rewarded for it. 
time and time and time again. And I'm living proof that it happened. And I got a million other stories I could tell you. Sure. About me. Not even other people. Yep. But about me. But that's just one that happened to me. Thank you for sharing that, X. You're welcome. All right. We are at the lightning round, which is not originally named. Yeah, you, you definitely didn't make that up. All right. First question. Now, this is, in theory, is short answers to short questions. But as we've established, I don't ask short questions. But here we go. Best piece of content recently consumed, not your own. Damn, so not the window. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Okay. Uh, all right, the window. Now, name me another one. Right, I'm going to name two because okay, one perfect. is one is audio, one is an album. It's an album by a group of dope musicians that have formed a super group, and it's called Dinner Party. Producer Ninth Wonder, Jazz Pianist Robert Glasper, Terrace Martin, Kamasi Washington. It's incredible. It's my favorite music project of the year. It's an EP. It's only about a 23-minute listen. I have it on repeat. And then Watchmen. Watchmen on HBO. I finally uh, watched it. Yep. I read the graphic novel years ago. Huge fan of the graphic novel. The show, the series, and it may only be one season. There may not be another season. Is absolutely mind-blowing. And it speaks to what's happening now in society. All the way from the masks that people are wearing yep. to what's happening around Black equity, racism, it's all addressed. And this show came out fall of 2019. Yep. yep. Powerful, powerful stuff. Amazing performances by Regina King, Louis Gossett Jr. I heard she was fantastic. Yeah, I, fantastic. I need to watch. I need watch, to watch. Watchmen, hit me up when you do and let me know what you thought. All right, I'm all in on that. I'm going to drop one more in that I love because I've been talking about it. Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. So good. So, so freaking good. good. I watched yeah. Unsolved Mysteries when it was on yep. network as a kid. Yep. And that music used to scare the hell out of me. And I swear yeah. nobody else would be home when that show came out. I don't know how they yeah. arranged that. Yeah. But I would be in there scared. And the yep. show was great. It's really, really good. Can't wait to part two. Most enjoyable personal moment. I have to say the reactions and reflections I'm getting in this moment to being able to help enact change and just provide a window into my life and to speak to what's going on right now. That's incredibly meaningful to me. And I've, I've gotten some joy out of that. Ah, as you should. That's a great answer. Last one. Thing people should know about you, but they don't. Ooh, you mentioned Emmanuel Baptist Church earlier. Yes. I'm a deacon. I'm an ordained deacon. Ah. So I sometimes every now and then I may preach a sermon, but, I, but I'm always speaking in front of like our congregation. Now it's virtual. Yep. And that goes back to what I mentioned earlier about having a servant's heart. I just try to approach everything I do as a servant, and that's including my paid work. So I look at the work I do for God as my job, and everything yep. else is a side hustle. That's how I look at life. So that's something you should know about me that you may not know. It's literally impossible to top that answer. So uh, even even somebody as terrible at podcasting as I am knows when to stop. stop. It. That's when to stop. <laughs> X, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much. My We'd pleasure, love to Rob. have you back. Would you do it again? I absolutely would do this again. I completely right. enjoyed this, man. Let's definitely do it again. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, my friend. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Human Element. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast. Please give us a comment, send us a like, 
subscribe. We deeply appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back out to you really soon. Please be well and be just. Bye-bye.